0: Hey, y'all, welcome to Fellowship Asheville, the virtual edition. Uh, I'm glad you're here. My name is Fred Baker. I am the lead pastor here at Fellowship Asheville. And so, thanks for joining us. Uh, These are strange times that we're in right now, very different times. Because of that, we're even in a different environment as we do this. We're in the student room uh, as we film this. So, if you haven't checked out the student room, this is a great opportunity uh, to see it. But even though this is different times and this is a different place, uh, what I love about what God is doing through this church is that the message. Stays the same, right? We are, we are here to, to preach and to trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though our building may be quote unquote closed for a little bit to, to large groups, uh, I take great joy in knowing that the church isn't shut down by any means. This 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 uh, current crisis is actually a great opportunity for us, for you and me, and us as a church to be the church, to 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 love our neighbors, to check on them, to have a meal with them, to spend time with them, and to pray for them and to pray with them. Uh, and so we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more in this message today. But 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 I just I, I just want to get started, right? And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for getting a cup of coffee, hanging out with your family, and watching this. And and since this is a different. Uh, opportunity in a different environment, I want to try something a little bit different as you're listening to this. Uh, what I want you to do as we start off this week is I want to put us in the shoes of one of the people we're going to see in the passage today. And so, so, so do this with me, if you will. Uh, just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine this scene with me. All right. And I want to put you into it. Imagine that you've been caught stealing something. You stole something and you were caught. When I say caught, you were caught red-handed stealing it. And you were taken to court and you were tried and you were convicted. And you were labeled as a thief. Now, whatever it was that you stole uh, was so important that, that as part of your conviction, you also got the worst possible sentence you could get and you got death as your conviction. So imagine being in a courtroom hearing the judge, hearing the jury convict you to death. Now, put this in this context too, in the culture that you're in right now, death requires a public execution. And so what that means is is that you're going to be hung on a cross for all to see. And the reason that this is going to happen is because they want passerbys, they they want people who see you on that cross to not do what you did because of the pain that you're in and the agony that you're in, you're going to be a billboard for righteousness and for, doing, for not doing what you did. And here's the deal. They're going to know what you did when they walk by because above your head is going to be a sign that says thief. Now, imagine this. The day of your execution comes. You pick up your cross and you carry it. And you carry it to a place called the skull. The time comes, they strip you naked, they nail you to the cross, and you are in more pain than you ever thought possible. And then they lift you up for all to see. And the pain that you're in now makes the pain that you were just in seem like a distant memory because it's gotten worse. But when they lift you up, you're not alone. Next to you is someone that you've heard about. Now, what's interesting is there's a crowd gathered around because that's what public executions do. But the crowd that's gathered around isn't focused on you. They're focused on the person next to you and you recognize him. He's the one that was claiming to be God. And, 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 and you think this guy can't be God because if he was, why in the world is he here next to you as a convicted criminal? And the crowd is saying awful things to him. Even those who walk by are demeaning him and mocking him. The religious leaders are there and they're mocking him as well. And so what do you do? You join in too. You and the guy next to him join in. The guy next to him is a thief as well. And the two of y'all start, start mocking and start making fun of this guy that's in between the two of you. He claimed to be God, but obviously he's not. And then the guy next to you has been silent the whole time. He finally speaks. And here's what he says. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now this shocks you. It, 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 it silences you. It stops you in your track because in your head, you're thinking I'm the guilty one. I know what I did and I was caught. I deserve the mocking and condemnation. Yet he's the one that's getting it all. And his response to all of that is to forgive. Your response to all of it was to respond in anger like 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 and you directed your anger toward this guy next to you. But but his response, you responded to your punishment like a criminal. But but his response is something else. He doesn't respond like a criminal. He responds like something that you've seen before. He responds like a sacrifice. And a sacrifice is something that goes through pain and even death for the purpose of forgiveness. This makes you see something about the guy next to you that you hadn't seen before. A man hanging on a cross, experiencing the pain and anguish that you're experiencing, a man wouldn't forgive. And so you see that this can't just be a man, you see that he is God. And the question that's in your head right now is what do you do with that? And I wanted to, to take you and put you in the shoes of of this thief, of this robber who hung next to Jesus. And we'll find out why in just a bit. But this question that I would assume is going through his head is a question that's gone through all of our heads, particularly a lot lately. This question of what do I do? You see, our faith really is a faith of decisions. Isn't it? We're, we're faced with that question of what do I do often. We have this sovereign God who has orchestrated everything in history, and yet he gives us the ability to make decisions decisions to follow him or to fight him. Decisions to love others or to protect ourselves. Decisions to trust or to fear. Decisions to worship God or to worship something else. And honestly, in this current crisis that we're going through, and I use the word current intentionally because there will always be another crisis, right? The coronavirus is just a virus and there will be another virus later, maybe even a worse one later. This crisis that we're experiencing is just the current crisis. And with this crisis and the the next one to come, this question, what do I do? becomes all the more important because I would guarantee you everyone listening to this and everyone watching this today has been asking the question, what do I do? Do I I go to Sam's and and stock up on toilet paper? Do I I hunker down and not talk to anybody? What, What do I do? Well, your answer to this question depends on something that you might not expect because the answer to that question, what do I do, lingers on knowing this. Who's with me when I do what I do? Who's with me when I do what I do? Now, y'all, this is key. And your answer to this question makes all the difference to how you answer this question. And today we're going to see how you answer that question really does make all the difference. And, and what we're going to do, we're going to be in Luke 23 verses 39 through 43. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And, and as you're turning there, um, I, I want to remind you we've been doing a series in Revelation called Breakthrough, um, where we've been going through the, the letters to the, to the churches there in Revelation, but we've taken a break to prepare our souls for Easter. Um, because without the resurrection, we don't have any hope. And without hope, all we're left with is fear. And y'all, what we celebrate on April 12th, when we celebrate the resurrection, it is all about hope. And I don't know about you, but but hope is needed right now. And so for the next seven weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take and look at the seven statements that Jesus said on the cross. And we're going to look at those statements through the lens of the empty tomb. Why? Because we can. Because for us, we know how this story ends. We know that there is a resurrection. And so for us to separate the cross from the empty tomb is really hard. And so why not just look at one through the lens of the other? because what we do is we see that when we look at through the statements of, that Jesus made on the cross and we look at them through the lens of the empty tomb what we see is that this empty tomb actually gives us a full and vibrant life and today we're going to see that this vibrant and full life when seen through this empty tomb is we get to experience life when we know who's with us and we get to see what a difference that makes and so let's look at verse 39 uh, as we get started. Verse 39 says this. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. And so, so, so this is the other guy. I didn't put you in that guy's shoes. I put you in, 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 in another guy's shoes. This is the other guy whose shoes I didn't put you in. And, and it says that he railed against Jesus. Now, this word railed is, is a word that we don't use very often, but it comes from a word that you might be familiar with. Because it, from that Greek word, we get our word blaspheme right? And so in other words, what this guy is doing as he's next to Jesus is he is blaspheming Jesus. And, and, and blaspheme is this interesting word. It means to speak evil of. And, and that's more than gossip about. It's more than even demean because the crowd was doing that, right? The religious leaders were demeaning Jesus. They were mocking him. But yet what this thief did on the cross was something deeper than that, something from a deeper place than that, right? To, blas- to blaspheme means that you take what God is doing and you curse it, you hate it and you become an enemy against it. And this is what this guy is doing. He is literally doing this with his dying breath. Now, on a little side note here, I want to talk about another verse that Luke in his gospel talks about because Luke tells this story about blasphemy. Well, Luke records the story of Jesus talking about blasphemy in Luke 12. And what Jesus says is he says, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is unforgivable. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus forgives everything. And yet he said there's something that's unforgivable. Now, here's here's what happens. This verse causes panic in people, right? People get to Luke and they get to Luke chapter 12 and, and they read this verse. And all of a sudden the question is, oh, my gosh, have I done that? Like I've used God's name in vain. Is that what that means? I've I've disobeyed God. Is that what that means? And so so it causes panic. Can I ease your anxiety a little bit about this? The person who is blaspheming God with everything that they have, even with their dying breath, this person, like this guy on on the cross next to Jesus, this person isn't worried about what is forgivable and unforgivable. They really don't care. And so if this verse about blaspheming God being unforgivable makes you worry, congratulations, it's not talking about you, right? The simple fact that you are worried about is this forgivable or unforgivable shows that your heart is bent towards God your heart is bent towards pleasing God, not railing against him. And so if you're listening to this and you're watching to this and and, and you are seeking God, you aren't like this criminal because in blasphemy, look at what he says in verse 39. The rest of verse 39 says this. It says, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And so, so here's the he doesn't want Jesus. Right. He just wants down from the cross. And I get it like like no judgment there. But apparently the way he said it was so blasphemous, the other guy on the cross speaks up, the guy whose shoes I put you in. Look at what he says in verse 40. He says, but the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly And and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. So this is the guy whose shoes I put you in. And we see here that he understood something about himself and he understood something about Jesus. He understood his guilt and punishment, but he also understood that Jesus was not. He understood that Jesus was innocent. Now, I want you to see this in context because because last week we talked about Jesus's first statement that he said on the cross. And, and I highlighted it when I put you in this guy's shoes. Jesus spoke up and he said, Father, forgive them. Jesus said to forgive. And so what is the, what is the response to Jesus's prayer of forgiveness from this guy, the guy whose shoes I put you in, the guy who, who, who knows uh, that what he did was wrong and, 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 what, and, and he deserved punishment. His response to that forgiveness is confession. And he confessed his sin, he confessed his wrong. And I think sometimes we get these back uh, backwards. Sometimes we think confession comes first and then forgiveness. But here we see a whole different pattern because here we see that forgiveness comes before confession. That first you have forgiveness and then that inspires confession. When you see church When we look at Jesus's statement here or, or that first statement through the empty tomb and we and we look at what just happened here, we see this full life that's available to us because when Jesus rose from the dead, what he did is he paid a debt that we couldn't pay and he freed us from a power we couldn't free ourselves from and he released us from sin. And through the empty tomb, we see that forgiveness is freely available to all of us. And so what is our response? Just like the criminal whose shoes I put you in, it is to confess. When we see this forgiveness and we see this empty tomb, our response is to confess, to confess our right to be punished. That that's what we deserve, just like this guy did. But when we do, look at what happens. Because now this guy whose shoes I put you in, he's not going to talk to the other criminal now. He's going to talk to Jesus in between them. In verse 42, he says this, And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so here is what this thief acknowledges with this very simple statement. He looks to the one who at first he was making fun of, is what one of the other Gospels tells us. And now he sees him as God. And he says, hey, take me with you. Take me with you. He looks at Jesus and says, remember me after death. Now, now, what this remember me implies is that he knows that Jesus will be the judge and jury. He knows that Jesus will be his advocate when he closes his eyes into death. And in a sense, he's saying, Jesus, pick me for your team. Pick me. Now, I don't know about you and what your sports uh, experience was like when you were a kid, uh, but I remember mine very clearly. And I was typically the last one picked. We would play dodgeball at our school a lot and and particularly zone dodge. And if you're from Good Elementary and you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you were in the grade with me, then you can verify that this is true. I was typically the last one picked for dodgeball. Unless there was someone with a broken leg, then she was the last one picked usually. Not always, but usually. And so i know what it's like to want to be on somebody's team and maybe you do too maybe you know this type of loneliness to look at somebody and say pick me and to wonder if they will well that's where this guy is with jesus this guy is telling jesus that you are god you are judge pick me Well, look at jesus's response because i love it because y'all This is the way that Jesus always responds when someone looks at him and says, pick me. Look at verse 43. And this is this is Jesus's second statement on the cross. He said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I want to take this and focus on one word in this statement. And, and it's the word that we will see on the cross whenever we gather together back in the building. I'll just keep adding these words to the cross. Last week we put forgive, and this week I'm going to put this word up there, and it is with. Because the guy who, this guy who committed this awful crime, the one deserving punishment, he heard Jesus say, forgive them. And he confessed that he deserved the punishment that he got. But he also confessed that Jesus didn't, that he was innocent. And he saw in Jesus this eternal king of a kingdom and this eternal judge. And he said, pick me. And Jesus does what Jesus always does. And he says, I don't just pick you. I will be with you. In other words, you aren't going to play for me. You're going to play with me. And so you see our faith and our faith, we don't live and work and play for Jesus. We live and work and play with Jesus. And that one word church makes all the difference. Here's a question that I ask at our staff meetings from time to time. And I want to ask you this question too. When you think about your faith, you think about Christianity, you think about how it feels and works for you. I want to ask you this question. How would you answer it? Is your life lived for Jesus or with Jesus? Is your life lived for Jesus or is your life lived with Jesus? Because that one word makes all the difference. It makes all the difference when you're faced in particularly with the question, what will I do? Will I respond for Jesus or will I respond with Jesus? You see, for Jesus often means you go it alone. That you pull up your boots by your bootstraps and you just go. But with Jesus means that you're never alone. And So church, our faith is a faith where God is with us. God is with you God is with me. That is the promise that Jesus gives. And it's the promise that he gives this criminal on a cross for or with. So let me ask you, do you want to face this current crisis? Do you want to face the coronavirus, this current crisis that we're in? Do you want to face that for Jesus or with Jesus? Now, here's what I want you to do. I know you're sitting at home, but I want you to say it out loud. I want you to say either for or with, and you can even type it in the comments as we go. Right? Do you want to face this current crisis for Jesus or with Jesus? Do you want to face fear? Because we all have it, don't we? Do you want to face fear for Jesus or do you want to face that fear with Jesus? Do you want to deal with the unknown right now? The unknown of what's going to happen. Do you want to deal with that for Jesus or do you want to deal with that with Jesus? Let me ask you, this guy hanging on the cross had judgment on his mind. He had what was going to happen to him after death on his mind. Church, let me ask you this. Do you want to face death for Jesus or do you want to face death with Jesus? Because this guy wanted to face it with Jesus. And that's the beauty of our gospel, isn't it? We get to face this and so much more in our life with Jesus. And so so for you, if you're listening to this and you haven't said yes to Jesus yet, you haven't accepted him as your savior and seen him for for the one who provides this good and right and personal relationship with God, not based on what you do, but based on what he did, if you haven't said yes to Jesus in that, then, then, then maybe today is the day that, that you can do that. I, I ask you to say yes to him today. And let right now be the time that you bow your head and receive the forgiveness offered from the cross through this empty tomb. Let today be the day that you confess your sin because, you, because forgiveness is already available to you and you look to Jesus to remove the penalty and the power of that sin, let today be the day that you say yes to him. For those of us who have said yes to him, for those of us who have seen Jesus as our savior, and we believe that and we're anchored in that, then then here's the deal. During this crisis, we still get to have this full life based on this empty tomb. Because that empty tomb is the place where our forgiveness was birthed. It is the place where our sin was buried. And it is the place where Jesus says he is with us. And so what does this look like in today's current crisis? It looks like this. And and, and it looks like when Jesus is with you, there is peace in the midst of crisis. And so when everyone is freaking out, you can be calm. It may mean that during this time, you can't help but freak out. Then what i encourage you to do is to seek the peace of jesus by seeking godly counsel in this time get around brothers and sisters in christ who aren't freaking out and ask them how in the world are you doing this how are you staying calm when everybody else is freaking out and listen to what they say and do what they do we also have a spotify spotify playlist for you for worship and for peace play it and replay it and replay it and that link will be available in the comments and then i've got a verse for you to meditate on john 14 27 says this peace i leave with you and peace i give you and those are the words from jesus himself peace i leave with you and peace i give you that peace is found in jesus here's what else it looks like when jesus is with you there is trust Trust in a God who has everything under control. When people start fearing that the end is coming, and y'all, that's a real fear for people. People think this is the plague that's going to wipe out the population. My opinion, it's not. The data doesn't match. But when people start fearing that the end is coming, you can trust our God who already wrote the history book. He already knows how it's going to end. And so when Jesus is with you and you trust, you can pray. And you can pray to him and you can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your fear. In John 14, 1, Jesus says this again, the words of Jesus. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. When Jesus is with you, you can love one another. You can love your brothers and sisters. When others hoard their belongings, here's what it looks like you can give because we have a God who is our provider. John 13, 34 says this, A new command I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Those are the words of Jesus. When Jesus is with you, not only do you love one another, the brothers and sisters in Christ, but you care for your neighbors. You you love those who God has right around you. And when people isolate, you can walk out your door and go check and see how they're doing particularly if there are people living around you that are 65 or older or have underlying health conditions, please check on them and make sure they're doing okay. Another way to care for your neighbors is to grocery shop for them. If they are sick and they can't, they can't do it, pick up medications for the elderly and others, those who need. Purchase groceries for your neighbors who can't work during this time because y'all there are certain places that it's just going to be shut down and they're not going to be able to work go buy groceries for them, help them. Watch your neighbor's kids. Cause if schools close down, kids are going to be at home. Invite those kids, invite yourself into those houses and, 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 and watch their kids so they can go to work. At Oakley Elementary, if schools do close down, we're collecting non-perishable items. Uh, to deliver to those kids who, who typically rely on the manna food bank packages at before every weekend and so so what we're going to do is we're going to collect non-perishable easy to open kid-friendly foods for Oakley Elementary um, and we were going to do it for spring break anyway but now we're going to do it even sooner if we need to um, and what we'll do is we'll also be forming teams to go to apartment complexes and, and play in neighborhoods where where uh, a group of kids live uh, to take food for their families and stuff and so if you would like uh, more information about that, you can email Amy at amy at fellowshipashville.com, amy at fellowshipashville.com, and she can give you the details. You can also wait a couple of days. Details are going to come out as we go. So just keep checking your email and on all of our socials and all of that, and you can know how to get plugged in. Um, But there's lots of ways to care for your neighbor. And and, and the final verse I want to leave you with this is this from Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's you and God. And your neighbors as yourself. So Jesus said, love your neighbors as yourself. You see, let's do this whole crisis, this whole coronavirus with Jesus. And let's go where he says go and let's do what he says do. And let's respond in in peace, and trust, and love. Thanks for tuning in. I love being in the church with you, and I'll see you when we get to get when we get to be together again. Let me pray for us real quick. Jesus, um, uh, gosh, this is such an incredible opportunity, and it's an incredible opportunity because. Um, There's just so much fear and there's so much unknown. And and your word says that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love and self-control. And so, Father, I pray that we would be those people um, who love in the midst of fear and who have peace in the midst of chaos and who trust in the midst of the unknown. And that through that, Father, we would point people to the life-changing message of the gospel, that we would point people to Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen one announcement real quick for you. If you're used to, to showing up on Sunday in giving, uh, you can go to our website and give there, or you can mail your check-in to our, our church address, which is also on our website. All right. I love you. Love being in the church with you. See you soon.